You're listening to the SoulCast broadcast with Kenyon and Takara Martin, where we bring awareness to toxic relationships, encourage singles growth, and improve couples strengthening. We're helping you break the bonds that have broken you and build the bonds that will better you. Join us every week on Facebook Live Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern and 4.30 p.m. Central. You can also send your questions to Instagram at AskTheMartins as well as Twitter at AskTheMartins. Let's get into this week's episode. All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. So good evening. We are Kenyon and Takara Martin with authors. We're counselors and we have one goal, and that is to repair the people that relationships broke. And in 2018, we have a big initiative. We want to see 10,000 hearts healed from soul ties and toxic relationships. Absolutely. How are we going to get 10,000 hearts healed in 2018? I'm glad you asked. Let me go ahead and tell you. <laughs> the first way is through our book, The Journey to Freedom, um, The Soul Ties Detox. That is a book. It's a five-week program that walks you through five weeks of intense exercises to heal and recover from soul ties, toxic relationships, and even familial relationships that have broken you. That is the number one way. The number two way is through our live class that we're starting in January 2018 called the Master's Class. Yes. If you're here locally, we kick that off January 27th. That is a program that is going to walk you through the healing from toxic relationships, healing from soul ties, and we're helping you see you the way the master sees you. Um, Visit us online to get more information there. And then the final way that we are going to get 10,000 hearts healed from soul ties and toxic relationships is you. We want you to carry the message of healing to a friend, a family member, to your community, to your church. We want you to be a part of our ministry to help healing reach the masses. All of that can be found on our website at thesoultiesdetox.com. Very simple, thesoultiesdetox.com. You'll have all that information there on how you can help carry the message of healing and wholeness into 2018. All right? Absolutely. Now, as we go forward, here's what we're going to do. You are our studio audience. We appreciate you. We love you. We love Facebook Live. We like using it as as a venue to do that. Yep. And so we answer your questions as we go through answering the question that we get through our email, mail, messenger, or whatever the case may be. Now, this ends up, if you want to hear it again, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox. CastBox is my new favorite app. So uh, try that out, and you can always search for us, uh, Kenyon and Takara Martin. Now, if you want to get your questions answered and you're on uh, the podcast, go ahead and reach out to us through uh, Instagram. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Reach out to us through Twitter. Mm-hmm. And reach out to us through Facebook Messenger. Uh, we get a whole lot through Facebook Messenger, and we don't mind. And so you right here live with us, you're also able to ask any of the questions that you need to ask pertaining to where we're going right now. Now, here's what we do. We read the email. We look at a big picture issue that we pulled out of the email that most people are dealing with, that right. most people uh, need to really work with. And then we we utilize that information to answer that email directly. We have one this week, and then we're going to just jump on in and take care of it. Yes. All right. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Are y'all ready? Are you ready for the next? <laughs> now I can't, hey, Joyce. I can't help but say that. Hey, Joyce. Hey, Damon. Hey, Damon. 
<laughs> All right, so I'm going to read the letter. Y'all pray my strength. I don't have my glasses on. All righty. So it says, Dear Kenyon and Takara, I met the man in my dreams and I believe he's for me, but I'm not sure if he's really on that page with me. We met at work and we've been friends for a long time. He left the company earlier this year and when we, I'm sorry, he left the company earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And that's when we decided it would be safe to take things to the next level. And we've been consistently seeing each other for six months. Mm. He talks about me being the type of woman he wants to marry and always tells me how I am his dream woman. We even already act like an old married couple. But every time I bring up moving things along, he gets a bit uncomfortable with the topic. I mean, if I'm really his dream woman, what's the holdup? Mm-hmm. Mom says it could be because he's about to propose and I should let the man be the man. So I stepped out on faith last month and I bought a wedding dress and have begun subtly planning for a wedding in August of 2018. Even though he hasn't proposed yet, I have faith that he will. But if he doesn't soon, I may be ready to move on. Is this faith or foolishness? Are these mixed signals or am I missing signals altogether? Well, listen, moms always know how to take the sting out of something, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, why we got just... people end up on American Otter that can't sing. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Well, baby, maybe he just going to surprise you, even though he ain't shown no interest that direction. All right. So here's the thing. Um, and I really, ooh, I, I just saw something else that I wanted to touch on. Go but, ahead, touch but, on it. But here's what we're going to do. Let me pull out the big picture issue. And it's real simple. And then we're the, the answering this question is easy. We've done it all the time. But what we've dealt with more often than not, uh, especially with our people, with our Christian folk, mm-hmm. what we've dealt with more often than not is... And I want to take a light here, all right? Right. So y'all ride with me, all right? Y'all ride with me. Here we go. Put your put your seatbelt on. Desperation versus or over discernment. And that's been a huge problem is that there's a desperation mm-hmm. for what we want. And so we stop discerning and looking and assessing the situation and we then and we actually default to faith yeah as a as a as a stand-in for i don't know you see what i'm saying and so what she's done is or what people what we usually do is we go we start doing things yes by faith and the issue is is that we are not really connected in faith. We're really just trying to manifest or do or make happen what we wish or hope would happen. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So with that being the overarching issue, there are a couple things I want to address. For those of you who have been there, and and it's a hard thing to, to have been there, I want to address. Go ahead, babe. Well, no, and and that's the thing. I think if we're a lot of us, and I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of us have been in a position where, you know, we're either in surroundings where everybody's getting married or everybody already is married. We, if we're in church, we want to not be living in sin. If you know, if we just have a strong desire to be married, yes, mm-hmm. we meet somebody, and before we know it, we are in our minds planning a wedding. 
Have mm-hmm. we gone as far to buy a dress? I can't say I have, but I definitely have begun to over-occupy my time and my life with the idea of marrying somebody because it seemed like the obvious next thing because I liked this person, but also just because I really, really, really wanted to be married. Absolutely. So it's like it's, there's no judgment simply because we've been there. Right. So what this is. What, we're, what we'll offer is a gut check for anyone who's been in this situation. We're going to take it slow, and I want to make sure that you guys pull in with me here because we're going to have to unpack this issue, Yeah. Uh, especially dealing with uh, using faith to convince yourself that, what's going, what, that something's going to happen that you really don't know what's going to happen. When we deal with faith, mm-hmm. okay, when we deal with this whole idea of faith, my first question, if I were counseling this person, my first question to her would be, <laughs> what do you have faith in and who? And there's a reason for this. Follow me. Please follow me. We understand that faith is like a receipt. Yes. It, it is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We got that, right? We've been we've all been in Hebrew. This is no new stuff. But the idea is is that faith is acting on a trust. Right. It's acting in conjunction with the trust. So faith in whom? Faith in God mm-hmm. that he will perform or do the things that I need for him to do. Yes. Faith in God. He's able. <laughs> Sorry. That he will be what I need for him to be. Right. So faith has an object of that faith to bring about what we have faith for mm-hmm. because we can't, we don't have anything but the receipt that we could trust in God. Does that make sense? Yes. Or if, you're, if you're with me. Okay. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Now, with that being the case, let's look at God here. Because I want to I I really want to I want to make it clear and I'm going slow here because I this is something that we need a gut check on. God's major and main priority in existence and all of everything as far as we know biblically, his main priority is our eternity. Right. His number one, numero uno, top paramount thing that he's most concerned with is our eternity. Now, he, 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 he takes care of us right here and right now. He provides for us. He does things for us. He protects us and all those different type things, um, oftentimes protecting us from ourselves. But his main thing is our eternity. Right. Watch this. So God has given so much. He's given everything mm-hmm. in order to secure our eternity okay so for god so loved the world we're going back to john three sixteen. very simple right for god so loved the world that he gave everything he gave all that he had this is the final uh method this is his his thing that he did to secure the eternity of mankind right for god so loved the world that he gave and then it says that whosoever believes whosoever This is the piece that says that even though this is God's paramount, most majestic, most important issue, that he still gives man a choice whether to receive it or not. Mm -hmm. He still gives man a choice whether to um, 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 just look at his love and say, I'll take it because Mm -hmm. I need it for my eternity to accept his paramount or his priority 
as our priority. Right. Okay. He still gives us a choice. So let's stop right there for a minute. It's very important. I want you to get this. If God gives a choice for his most priority concern, then do you think he's going to take away somebody else's choice for your little concern? Having faith, and that's the reason why we ask that question. Who do you have faith in? Because if you're, if you're having faith in God to perform the manipulation or the movement of a man without that man's choices involved, then your faith is going straight past who is supposed to be the object of. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's flying. It's like flying right over. Because if God does not do that for the chief concern, he won't do it for what you want. Now, I know. I know we need provisions. We need we need love. It is not good that man should be alone. Right. But we have to get to a place where we got to stop believing God to manipulate someone else because that doesn't happen. Love gives choices. Period. First John four and eight. God is love. He gave a choice, and you ought to give choice. Go ahead. Well, he also said before, I behold, I give you blessings and curses, life and death. Choose life. Everything in his plan for us has everything to do with salvation and life and more abundantly. It had nothing to do with a husband or a wife. However, yes, his cares are our cares. Yes, it is not good for us to be alone. Yes, he wants us to have the best. The problem is, is that we put that faith in where we ultimately, the bottom line is, let's be honest, we want to be a wife. We love the idea of being a wife and being a wife to someone who receives us, who loves us, who accepts us exactly mm. as who we are. Mm. That idea is our priority as far as it comes to getting married. When we misappropriate that faith into saying, okay, now the next person who walks through that door is going to be the one that's going to give me all that. Right. That becomes the issue. And then that also becomes the, the, the place of so much hate and hurt that we develop within us because we've misappropriated our faith. If we are to be honest, and I think you said this while we were talking about it, so I'm sorry. If we no, were, no, ahead, if we were to be honest in that, and just tell God, I want to be a wife. Yes. I desire to be a wife, God, and I know that you can provide the right person for me that is going to love me and receive me. Well, let me walk them through that. Oh, yes. Because I think that you you just hit something on the head, and I want I want to walk them through that. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. Having a faith for someone is, is, is a pretty arrogant thing to say that someone else is going to be built, made, or manipulated to come my way. All right? Mm -hmm. um, however, however, that does not mean that faith is not powerful. It does not mean that faith is not uh, necessary. Why? Right, right. Stay with us because Takari, she, she hit on something and I'm going to walk you up to where she's at. Okay. Y'all come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y'all come on with us. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. Shut up. <laughs> okay, listen. Faith is a dialogue between you and God. Mm -hmm. Okay? What that means is, is you go to God and say, I have a need. God says, do you trust me mm -hmm. to fulfill that need? 
Yes. And then you respond in action and in word. Yes. Yes, I trust you to fulfill that need. Now, we see this all the time with Jesus. Uh-huh. They go to Jesus and say, hey, I'm blind, I'm ill, I'm sick, I'm, I'm on my deathbed. Whatever the case may be, whichever, uh, whichever healing story you pick out, this is something that's wrong with me. Even the woman who snuck up on him. Right. Okay? Right. I have a need. And so I'm reaching out and trusting in him for that need. Right. This is the dialogue, right? And then Jesus turns around and say, do you believe I can do this to you and for you? Right. So there's two things going on. When we, when we exercise that faith, it happens to us and for us. Okay. So when we, and, and then we respond by acting and acting uh, in the receipt of that. Right. Okay. Now, here we go. I am in need of a husband, right? And Jesus, God turns around and says, do you believe that I can do this to you and for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The conversation switched from someone else to you being a wife. Yes. And so the reactive response is yes, and the reactive action is beginning to grow and learn to be a wife mm -hmm. so that you can be found by a husband. Oh, my. Here's the thing. The, when Proverbs 31 was written by the king or by the queen to the king, right, King Lemuel, she told him some stuff at the top, and then she says, this is who you should be looking for. Right. What that is, is a place to look in and say, this is who I can be, or this is what a, a potential queen does in order to have a king. Right. When we read it from the outside. Right. But from the inside, he's saying, okay, mom, me as a king, this is how I find a wife, a, a queen. This is how I discern. Mm -hmm. Now we're in a place of discernment. Right. So as a as a wife, I want to be a wife, right? Uh huh. I want to. So um, not me, but <laughs> I, I yes, mean, <laughs> we ladies want to be a wife. You want to be a wife? So here, let me show you this action. Okay, gotta have a need. Do you believe I can do this to you and for you? Yes, I do. Here's what happens. Okay, put a pin in that. If you wanted to be a student, right? Uh huh. If you wanted to be a student you'd immediately begin the process of looking for the proper school for what you want to be a student for. Amen. You eventually end up in a class mm -hmm. because that's what you're looking for. You have put on the clothes and the mindset of a student, mm -hmm. right? But if you sit around and say, I want to be a student, but you keep going to a club, then you will never learn anything. You're just full of want. Right. And there's no way that you can turn that club into a classroom. Right. You see what I'm saying? You can't turn a club into a classroom. You can't turn Kinda a club into like a classroom. Kind of sound like you can't turn a hoe into a housewife. <laughs> it just sound right. Sorry. <laughs> well, here's the thing. What that does is a student who wants to be a student begins to discern to look for a class. The same thing a wife does. Do you believe that I could do this to you and for you? Yes. So I begin to grow and change and move into discernment as a wife. And so I'm able to discern and see the kind of husband. Right. Or if that man is a husband. You see right. what I'm saying? Absolutely. So part of the process, part of the process 
of, of, of that faith, of having faith in God to be married or to be a wife as personal growth, developing into the kind of wife that you need to be, and then turning around and understanding who's a husband, who's a, who's a classroom. No, that's a club. That's a club. That's a club. That's a club. I'll never learn anything from those type places. But there goes my classroom. There goes my husband. There you go. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So what happens is um, she begins to discern, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Proverbs 31 woman should be growing into a place or a wife should be growing. A wife who has faith in God. To become a wife should be growing in a place of discernment and to be ready for a husband. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And so with that being said, we are going to kick you off with a head start. So if you're listening, we're going to give you a few things to discern. <laughs> yes. How do you discern that a man is ready to be a husband? Right. To you. How am I supposed to know? that a husband is wanting to take things there with me without me having to force him in that direction. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you, if you force it, it's not faith. Exactly. It's manipulation. Right. You can't, you, 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 you I, 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 I have a big problem with a lot of energy put into making someone do something that they don't want to do right because manipulation is witchcraft not faith well and and you begin to move in the direction you're moving completely opposite of where god needs you to be you when we are insecure when we are um um unstable in all of our ways and i'm sorry buying a dress before you got proposed to was a bit unstable um when you are acting um erratically that is not faith okay right absolutely. It, it's not faith god is going to make sure that you are well aware of the kind of man that you that is going to be in your presence that's supposed to be in your presence and, and leading you to that altar He's not leading you down a path of, of craziness. Absolutely. Um, and, and, just, and again, it's, it's just insecurity. When your faith is shaken, you become very insecure and unstable in what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be looking for. And we see that up here because she still has questions. Exactly. So let's get it. Let's, let's start it off. Six things. Six things. Now, here's the thing. Here's the rule. Here's the rule of thumb. As a Christian, what I do is I use Jesus Christ as the as the blueprint for a husband. Christ is known as the husband man. We we they uh, Christ is always used mm -hmm. as a metaphor. Right. Christ in the church is always is used as a metaphor for husband and wife. Okay, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a few things that we see Christ do that are hallmarks for a man who's prepared to be a husband. And do us a favor, if you're in here and you got your phone, for every one of these, type these in. Because okay. if you type it in, you're gonna commit it to remembrance, Damn. okay? Uh, one of the things that happened was we did this 
a year ago. Right, right. Um, we did. How do you know a woman is ready to be a wife? And that's on YouTube. And it got so, like, we're up to, like, 25,000 views, I think, on that one. Right. Um, how do you know a woman's ready to be a wife? And what happened was we did, how do you know a man's ready to be a husband? Right. Right? But then, for some reason, it never got put up on well, YouTube. Well, I did it. Oh, you did it. Because did it how? Um, because the second one was our first one together. Right. Well, oh, yeah. Right. It was our very first Periscope together. Okay. So... Um, now that we're doing this one, y'all got to pay attention and uh, write these down as we're going in there. Okay. All right. Here we go. Number one, <clears throat> we're using. We're going to start with Christ, and then we're we'll transition to something more pragmatic. Um, he must have uh, be subject to God and character. There Somebody write that down. He must be subject to God and character. In the narrative of Christ, one of the first things he did before he began his ministry was get baptized. Now, the significance of that is real powerful because John said, listen, you should be baptizing me. Mm -hmm. And Christ said, suffer it to be so. And the idea is, is that he had to walk a specific obedient route mm -hmm. to begin the ministry. There was a, there's a significant thing there. As he went throughout his ministry, he showed very much compassion. He showed love. He right. All the way up to the cross and praying for, um, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. So there, is a, there was more than just him showing up at the synagogue right. on the Sabbath. There was more to him just, you know, doing everything that the other, um, that, that, that the Jewish leaders did. He actually had a character. Uh-huh. So we when when somebody comes to us and says, I believe that's the one for me, I or how do I know that he's the one for me? It's not necessarily that there's a sign. It's not that there's necessarily there's miracles and wonders. The very first thing we always tell people is look at their character. If they say they were sent by God, then observe to see if their character mirrors that of God. Absolutely. Period. Absolutely. There should never be a question of, and, and again, we're, we're believers. We're faith-based people here. We're Christians. So if you are fully believing that someone was sent by God, but you start noticing characteristics that are not mirroring how God would have him act, that's red flag number one. Now, they're not going to be perfect. Don't right, get me wrong. Right. He's not going to ha not have any issues. Right. But there will be some patience. There will be some kindness. Um, not just, you know, the first three or four months, six months. There will be some. He won't be jealous of you. Right. You know, uh, especially you ladies who make more money than the well, brothers out there. Well. He won't be self-centered or self-serving. Um, he won't keep a case file of the wrongs that you did. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There are things that you will see early on in the dating process that you're going to be able to assess to know if he has the proper character to be able to protect you, to be able to uh, help you, to be able to, to be trustworthy for you. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Now, um, you know, and, and to trust you. Will he be perseverant? Well, is he is he is he does he have the manner of a man? Mm who's willing to walk. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yep. You, we hear the talk. The talk is great. It's poetic. Wonderful. Oh, good, good. Go ahead, Cupid. But on the other end of that, how is he walking? What's his character like? So right. that's number one. Number two. Did somebody put number? Okay. They put number one in there. Number two. 
He must be decisive regarding you. Listen. Now, this just shut down the email already. He must be decisive <laughs> regarding you. That's the answer. That's the answer. Somebody write that in. Uh, he must be decisive regarding you. What does that mean? When Christ began his mission, when he began his, his ministry, mm -hmm. he knew who he was going to choose. He called them by name. Ooh. He pulled them out. He was decisive with who he wanted to walk with him. Yes. He knew who he wanted. A man who is for you, who is ready to be a husband, knows what he wants. You won't have to question him. Listen. All you have to do is listen. You don't have to question him. You don't have to hint around to him. You don't have to do cartwheels, cook him dinner, do his laundry, do extra stuff to try to get him to see that you're the one. Somebody who truly wants you, desires you, loves you, is never unsure that you are that for him. Absolutely. Any hesitation. And okay, so there is hesitation. Any hesitation needs to be questioned. And what I mean by that is this. What's the issue with me? Right. You said that I'm your dream woman. You said that you would want to marry me. Right. So if you don't want to do it now, and I'm not, you know, not being pushy, but what's the reason behind that? Have those conversations. They're hard conversations. Don't be pushy. But hey, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with you? Sometimes some men will hold back to get themselves financially situated. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Is there something wrong that we need to work on? You tell me. Go ahead. Well, the thing is, though, and it's like it's not even being pushy. The problem that I, I have and that I've had with dating in the past is that somebody will dangle the maybe one day we'll get married carrot to appease you or to get you in a place that they want you. Sometimes it's to get into the draws. Sometimes it's just to quiet you down so you think it's going somewhere that it may not be. You're just going to just throw the draws. Up. You just, just throw the draws. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it, man. I'm tired. So listen. Wow. Listen, wow. if I'm sorry, baby, I love you because um, you didn't do that. But you have every right to question the validity of that statement if they're throwing it out there. If you are just waiting and hoping and believing God that you're going to marry this person and they have not had that conversation with you or they have not discussed it um, and made you feel like that's something that they were working towards, then no, D don't, don't bring it up. That's being pushy. But if someone has brought up that, hey, maybe I want to get married or that you're the woman of my dreams and I want to marry you and you have it in your heart that you desire to be married, it is never not okay to reach out and say, listen, I desire to be married one day. I know when you said that you want to marry me and I'm the woman of your dreams. Can we talk about what that means? Can we talk about when are you looking to get married? I'm sorry, but when it comes down to it and you have a desire to be a wife, it is okay to identify if that person truly desires to be a husband for you. And if there's too much hesitation, if there's making you feel guilty about asking, if there's making you feel like, yeah, there is something wrong with you, then you need to take a step back and realize maybe this is not the man that is for me. Absolutely.
That's good. That's good. Sorry. That, and that's very no, no, no. That's that's really good because those are some things you got to work through and walk through. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think too many people are dating like they're married and then wondering why the other person is not marrying them back. There's a problem with that, and it's, the real problem is is that we're not having the right conversations and dialogue right. in that. Right. Well, okay. somebody said Monica asked, uh, "What if they bring it up too soon? What if the men bring up marriage too soon?" Define too soon, though, because I think too soon. Well, here's the thing. If a man brings up marriage real soon, and, and, and I'm just going to say this. Say it, baby. Either they're definitive about what they want and they need to be walking in that definition. If they bring it up, you know, okay, you've heard it. Watch they walk. Um, it's And usually there are some reasons behind it. There's going to be one or two reasons behind it. Number one, he's not lying. He's for real. He's serious about that right, thing. Right, right. And number two, he's trying to secure you by what he thinks you want to hear. Exactly. That is, is one of the two. Can, I mean, if I can be honest, when mm -hmm. Kenyon finally decided that uh, after 20 seconds of dating, <laughs> that, that um, he wanted to marry me. It wasn't that, he, first of all, he brought up, listen, you are a wife, period. Like, he acknowledged who I was to him or what I, em, you know, emulated to him, a wife. But once he decided that, he proposed every single day until we got married. And it was never, it scared me at first, but... There was never anything um, out of the ordinary for me with that because he didn't come across as a man that was desperate. He came across that as a man that was sure. Absolutely. And that was the difference. Is when you know what you want. A man who knows what he wants. A man who knows what he wants will call it out. She said we haven't met in person yet. Guess what, Monica? He proposed before we ever met in person, too. Just saying. Not look, results not typical. So I don't want you to go that direction. They are not typical at all. However, he did propose sight unseen. I was very, I was very adamant with my lifestyle and my life at that point in time, and what I didn't want, I didn't want, and what I did, I did, and that's exactly where we went with that. And you know, she had a choice after I made known what I desired. She yes. had a choice. I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a conversation is of. Oh, you know what? You would make a wonderful wife. That wasn't. I, I didn't throw that stuff out. I didn't, yeah. I didn't dangle carrots. It was like, are you in or are you out? Right. Because this is what I desire. Right. This is what I want. I recognize you. I recognize you. Does the man rec recognize you? Ooh. Does he know who you are? Does he know you beyond your name, your address, your text, your, 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 your profile? Does he know you beyond your profile, your uh, profile status? Does he know you? Does he know who you are? Who do men say that you are? <laughs> does he know you? Right. Because it's it's. When he knows you and when he recognizes you, he responds to that. Now, if he can't tell you who you are to him, then he has nothing. And I get it. Many men can't articulate it. But a man who can't articulate is also a man of action. A man will do what he has to do to get to where he needs to go. Yes. There is no man who will sit on his butt and see something that he wants and not go after it. Listen, church. The problem is, is that when whatever he went after sometimes, whatever he goes after sometimes, he get it before you get what you desire. Because you thought you was just giving him a heads up of what's to come. I'm so glad you ended that one up. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I'm sorry. I was going to give him head. Whoa. Okay. Yes. 
Absolutely. So there, you have to understand, and we adults here. That's why we. That's what we're able to do this. Right. It's my wife. And I'm sorry. I'm but you got to understand, and we're still on number two. He needs to know who you are so that you can know who he is. Does he call you out? Yes, Lord. Okay. Number three. Number three. He is a healer to you. Mm, number three. He is a healer. Somebody um, write that down. When I say he is a healer to you, what Christ did is he went out and responded to people's needs. Wherever they were. Mm. Now, the Sadducees wasn't there. The Pharisees weren't there. The Nicenes weren't there. Well, they were kind of hidden anyway. Jesus went into the crowd and he began to touch and heal others to such an extent that there was a woman who came out and touched him to get her healing mm -hmm. let's bring this around because this is something that this this is something that there's a depth to this and i want you to get this when a man we've all been through something right. all of us if you've dated for any amount of years if you've ever been in a strong relationship and you've fallen out you we've all been through something and there's a little bit of baggage that carries us that that that, that we carry with us right a man who knows that doesn't ask you to hide your baggage in the garage. A man who knows that doesn't ask you to, to disregard your children. A mm. man who knows that doesn't ask you to not talk to their father. A man who knows that doesn't ask you to act like you've never been in love before. A man who knows that does not ask you to act like another man has never hurt you before. Yes. What he does is he comes into your life and he touches you and he says, I can heal you. Do you believe in me? Now that's where it gets deeper because a man who's there to heal you also requires your trust. So now you're looking at, can I trust him and can he do what he says or what he's willing to do? So you, now you're looking at his willingness to do and your willingness to trust him. That's a two thing. That's, that's, that's two that's parts. That's a two way street. That's two parts to it. That's two parts to it. Is he willing to heal you as a husband? As a husband. Listen. If the it, church didn't come, come to Jesus clean. Nah. The church didn't come to Jesus. While we were still enemies, the mm -hmm. church didn't come to Jesus clean. Jesus walked in and said, I got you. Do you trust me? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And, Go and, ahead, babe. And I can just, if, if I can be honest about where Kenyon and I was, um, when we were dating, one of the things, and again, we, and, and we did, it wasn't a long courtship, wasn't a long dating, but one of the things that he did, he came into the picture and I was still very, um, afraid to trust. Um, and it just so happened that he knew the hurt and the damage that I had been through. It wasn't just from an ex. It was from church. It was from all sorts of directions that I was hurt and I was wounded in. He came with that same level of hurt um, from other people. He had gotten past his hurt before he got to me, but he still had tender areas. Um, and one of the things that I will always tell women and that always stands out to me that I remember is that he never forced me to be anything but who I was in my place of brokenness. And he literally took off and put aside his fears, his fears of being hurt, his fears of being rejected, his fears of going through what women had put him through in the past. And all he did was covered me. 
He literally said to me, I think I need to cover you. Let me cover you. And it was never anything that was inappropriate. It was never anything that was, you know, come here, girl, I can love you better. It was come here and let me cover you. And he didn't just whisper sweet nothings into me. He called me every morning and he prayed over me. He talked to me every day. And if I was going through a hard time, I'm having an anxiety attack. He's praying over me. He's there with me. He's uh, giving me wise counsel on going to see a therapist while I'm going through my hurt. And he never, even when the days where I rejected him or almost rejected him because of my fear, he stood back and he said, listen, you take a break. And when you get done, I'm gonna be right here. But it was never anything other than him understanding that in order for me to be able to fully receive the love that he was trying to give me, he had to shield me and allow me to heal. And the only way he could do that is to regard the hurt that came from my past. Absolutely. Well, the reason, the reason why that worked, the, what I had in mind, first of all, again, results aren't typical. You have to be prepared. Now, how does a man pragmatically who doesn't know how to heal right. or, or know how to do that? Here's what he does. He allows you to be honest about where you are and who you are. He's honest about who he is and where he is. Mm -hmm. And he's honest about where he's going to be. What a covering does is secures you. That's what a covering does. He secures you not just from everybody else, but secures you even from himself. Yes, 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 yes. That's what a covering does. A covering stands in and says, anybody come this way, even if I come this way, got to go through me. Yes, and that and was your prayer. And right, absolutely. And that was that, that was very necessary. Um and and but when I recognized who she was, and what she was, what, is, what do I do? Either I'm a husband or I'm not. You mm, see what I'm saying? Listen. And so a man must be willing and ready to heal you, be a part of your healing. Now, listen, there's a caveat to that. You can't be, we deal with a lot of broken hearts, and that's, that's our goal, to heal broken hearts, right? Right. You can't be towed up, messed up, just destroyed internally, and and depend on a man to heal you got to be coming through that process of it you got to be you but you got to be you have to have at least been sitting at the fountain for 30 or 40 years right okay <laughs> you remember the uh yeah the, the man who said who, who tried to crawl to the fountain or whatnot you have to at least be sitting at the fountain and what I mean by that, you need to be on the process, in the process of going to become whole yourself. Right. A man does not, you don't need to show out, you don't need to show nothing, you don't need to, you know, you need to just go for what you can, go for your healing, and he'll recognize that I fit right there. Mm. And, and which means that he is not ever to become the punching bag through your brokenness. Right. Um, you know, he's there to support you, but he is not there to, to be a barrier between you and your pain and just like for you to be punching him out. No, Absolutely. there is a, there is a mutual, uh, agreement that goes on between there and it's unspoken. It's listen, I'm hurt. I've got some things in my past. I, you know, want to trust you. I want to love you, but I'm going to need time and I'm going to need your help. How does he help? He understands where your heart is. He understands where you are wounded at. And he makes sure that he guards those wounded areas by being everything that you've never had before. 
Absolutely. He guards them by being, you know, trustworthy, by letting you know that he's into you, by letting you know that you're the only one in his life right now, by letting you know that, listen, I have every intention to be more to you than you've had before. And they move forward from that. Yes, honey. How many, and I've seen this, how many of you ladies been in a relationship, dating relationship, and you told the man what you've been through before? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And he said, oh, okay, I got you. I'm not going to be that guy. Six to eight months down the line, you're having an argument, and you have to remind him what you told him at the very beginning. Listen. Remember that? I told you what I've been through. Why would you do this to me? Mm-hmm. That's not the guy. That's not him. That's, oh, that's so very important. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and because the, because you know you got to get beyond the representative and all that kind of stuff this is why you must ask those questions this is why you must assess i'm sorry babe no no it's good but that's the thing though and you of course you may have to remind him but he's never going to make you feel bad for saying listen you remember i told you i've been through this in my past i need you to be mindful of that so that way when a trigger comes he knows that hey listen i'm sorry i know you don't like it when i yell at you because you know your ex used to hit you i apologize it's acknowledging the little things of, of being a healer. Being a healer is not going and laying hands on you and, and, you know, healing the blind is what we're talking about. We're talking about the healer that comes in and, like I said, prepares you for um, a healthy love by being the kind of love that Christ would have him to be. Absolutely. Hey, listen, a husband is going to be prepared. Sometimes the woman, sometimes your wife comes up behind you and touches the hem of your garment Rabasha. and something comes out of you. Oh my. <laughs> and you said, who touched me? But that, but, but it, it happens really in argument and conversation and all those things. And you're like, Oh, I get it. This is what you need. Yes. I got you. Yes. I got you. So sometimes the need to be a healer sneaks up on you, but you're always prepared. Let's go to number four. Number four. <laughs> number four is, y'all ready to write this down? Yes. He will provide for you. He will provide for you. Now, I got, I got to break this down. Yes. I got to break this down. I, I got to, I'm waiting. Where, where y'all at? Come on. Come on. I know we got a lag about three, three, three to five seconds, so I'm going to give y'all some time. <laughs> he will provide. <laughs> he will provide for you. That's number four. That, there yes, we go. There hey, we Kiana, go. how hey, are you? Kiana, she on it. Hey, Tabitha, I forgot. I didn't get a chance to say hi to Tabitha hey, and Tabitha. Monica and um, Kenyatta. And I saw somebody from Michigan, Miss Stacy. Okay, Larissa. let's go back in. Larissa. Okay, listen. He will provide for you. This goes far beyond monetary provisions. Right. Now, I'm not saying you need to be with a deadbeat, but what I'm saying is this goes far beyond the monetary position provisions. Here's the reason. This isn't the reason why, but in the 21st century, women are killing it. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, they are. In the 21st century, women are killing it. And I love seeing it. I love my baby. Ki she kills it each and every day. I have, I love to see that. And what happens is, is that a man feels displaced or even replaced because he can't keep up with her killing it. And he doesn't know. He has not been trained or told that that is not the measure of a man. Listen. You understand what I'm saying? But yes. at the same time, the same old school way he's trying 
trying to think and trying to reclaim his his security in the in the wake of a woman who's killing it a woman who's killing it has also kind of fell in and bought into what the measure of a man is mm. so here's what i'm trying to tell you he will provide meaning that he will bring something to the table he won't sit and watch you wash the dishes watch you serve watch you cook watch you. he will bring something to the table if not build the table himself listen also he will bring something to the table or ladies he will go ahead and build the table absolutely and, and make sure that your dream your calling your purpose is being fulfilled all men are not ministers all men are not meant to lead in those type directions sometimes a man just has to make sure that there's oil in your car yes. sometimes a man just need to make sure that there's gas in your tank sometimes there's a man who need to make sure that that wall gets fixed or that outlet gets replaced or that plumbing gets done you need understand that a man will provide but he doesn't bring a whole bunch of hot air yes. don't nobody need hot air mm. you can get that just by boiling water on the stove what you need is a man who's going to bring at least the pipes to the water to get into the pot <laughs> <laughs> come on but even more than that he provides compassion yes he provides covering and security he provides you a friend someone who you could talk to someone who you can open up and be safe with Someone who you could be honest with. Yes. You understand? Takara and I, we have a lot of hard conversations. And we butt heads a lot because we see each other a lot and we work together. But we're always able to have open and honest conversation. I'll tell her what I thought and, and, and I'll be absolutely 110% wrong. And she'll <laughs> tell me and, and, and it'll be okay. She'll tell me what she thought and she'll probably be right. But it'll be okay. <laughs> it's not demeaning. It's not demoralizing. It's her being safe because she is okay being her and being honest even when it hurts my feelings. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? When a man, what all does God provide? Come on, Jehovah Jireh. Yes. What, God, what all does God? Oh. Yes, go ahead, babe. Go ahead. Talk to him. No, but it's something you always say. The number one thing, aside from money, the number one thing that a man should be providing to his woman is security yeah absolutely emotional security yes. physical security yes that sort of thing to where spiritual security spiritual security that covering that you know you're not just you know paying all the bills you're not just uh doing you know the physical labor stuff around the house but you're also securing me and knowing that you are mine securing me and knowing that i can trust you you're securing me and knowing that i can trust you with leading mm. the household if we're dating and you are carrying the characteristic and the mannerisms mm. of god the mannerism sorry of god then i know that you're going to be praying for me we don't have to pray together and pull down heaven and speak in tongues every day together however i know that if i'm in trouble my baby is going to be praying for me if anything goes down i can tell you right now that my husband i'll be like baby i had a dream about something we need to pray cool come on let's go what you want to pray right now come on let's go let's go pray baby i'm stressed out well shoot have we prayed we ain't praying in a minute let's go pray 
that kind of security is invaluable to a woman. And it's not to say that your man is going to be doing that, but it's knowing that he has the propensity and he has the relationship with God to cover you. Because guess what? The Bible says a man who does not take care of his wife, God will not hear his prayers. So he knows that if he has a relationship with God, he is going to be covering you in every way that he's supposed to and securing you. Otherwise, his prayers will be blocked. Amen. He will provide for you the very next one number five come on let's get to come it come on church number five he will die for you someone put that i know if we were talking about jesus we know we were going to go here he will die for you i'm gonna give y'all y'all five seconds I so <laughs> die for you lord have mercy sorry <laughs> <laughs> he will die for you come on who's coming through who's gonna get it in there first jesus there we go. Come on. Come on. So number five says, I will die for I will, you. He will. He will. He will. You know him. Thank you, Shayla. Shayla. Thank you, Monica. He will die for you. What does that mean? We saw that Christ died for what will become the church. Mm-hmm. That was the door mm-hmm. that 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 gave us access to the throne yes the curtain was rent everything was yes lord it was broken in half and we had access to the throne ourselves we were able to be priests ourselves he died mm -hmm. in the garden of gethsemane he didn't want to die and he asked god and he said well if I don't have to do this and there is another way I don't mind any suggestions we'll coming your way over there but nevertheless, mm -hmm. a man who was made to be your husband, who was ready to be a husband, ready to be a husband, will be willing to die for you. What that means for a man is not just not just a security, not just the, the physical, okay, I'm going to take this bullet, I'm going to take this car, I'm going to walk on the outside of the curb, I'm going to make sure that you're safe. But he will put, he will discard himself for your emotional and mental safety yes he will sit aside his insecurities listen he will sit aside what he's afraid of sometimes he will sit aside his points and he probably makes some good points men are pretty logical yes so, you do, baby <laughs> baby you make good points are we just we know baby but at the end of the day he sits those aside because that's not what matters what just like christ set aside his heavenly position in order to come here. Just like he came low. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I'm not saying all men are just are up here. What I'm saying is, is that sometimes a man has to set aside what part of him that he thinks should be entitled to being heard or being in charge or whatever just for you. Mm. He dies to himself. He dies to himself. This is very, very important. This is very important because sometimes we don't know how to say, I'm not in, well, sometimes we don't know how to, here's what it is. We default to leadership and authority mm. when we should be defaulting to servitude. One of the greatest things Christ ever did was wash the feet of his disciples. Mm -hmm. And said, the greatest of you will be the least. Yes. So what happens is when a man defaults to authority and his strength 
in a home. And, and to be honest, if you're dating, he has no authority. Just throwing that out there. Amen. But if he defaults to that, he's really getting into a place where he's challenged by your behavior. However, I have found in practice and in principle that if I set aside mm. that authority, stay a leader, but be the first to serve, then that behavior comes to me and I could just wash it off. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And because I'm not perfect, I learn from that. I get my hands wet as well. I wash my hands in the same water that she's, I'm washing her feet with. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because I'm not perfect either. A man who was prepared to be your husband will die to himself, die to his idiosyncrasies, yes. sometimes die to what he doesn't like in order to protect and preserve you. The cross was all about preservation. Jesus. To protect and preserve you, mm. your heart, your emotional integrity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Is that there, babe? Oh, my God. It's so there. And it's it's one of those things. He's going to be selfless and, and not in a way where he doesn't want you to even serve him. Because I think one thing that we miss, we miss is that if we are both focused on serving each other, nobody loses. But because he did it first, because he set the ultimate example in the home, in your relationship first, it creates such a dynamic that, you know, you're not dealing with a selfish person. You'll, you'll be able to recognize that selflessness simply through that. And that represents him dying to himself but that was oh my god amen yes, amen let's go to number six number six so we can answer this girl <laughs> i think we answered i think her we number answered two. yeah number six this is important Ooh, this is important this is important this you know as we look at christ after this as after the crucifixion and he comes back and he said behold i'm always with you even until the end of the um, age number six is he will never leave you mm. he will never leave you i get y'all get that that five seconds yes let y'all put it down he will never leave you mm. what does that mean what does that mean that he will never leave you because as christ went to heaven and allowed and left the holy spirit the whole switching of places Physically, he did leave. Right. So what are we talking about? What we're talking about is a man you can trust in your heart that wherever he is, you have a place. He will never leave you. Before you continue, can I throw a caveat in there? Go ahead. He will never leave you, but he will also not threaten to leave you. He yes. will not threaten that if you don't act right, I'm going to leave you for Sally down the street. Come on, say that. He will not do any of that. That security will be there, and you will know it, that you will always have a place with him, and he will never leave you. Go ahead. Continue No, 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 no. That's important because you never want to be put. If you ever got put in a position where your relationship was held hostage until he, till you did what he wanted, then that's somebody who you can't count on. Listen. He will leave you. But a man who's ready to be a husband is committed. Yep. He will never 
leave you. Your heart will never hurt. You'll never wonder. Mm -hmm. There are some there are some things that Takara and I do. Um, when we, whenever we have argument, look, y'all, we we human. We gonna have argument. If you're not having arguments, you ain't talking. You're right, you ain't <laughs> communicating like something wrong. And both of us got some strong ideas, so <laughs> right. you know we we gonna have some arguments. But the idea is, is we came to a conclusion mm -hmm. that hey, listen, we may say some things back and forth. We may have some hard words and some hard attitudes, and we might roll our eyes or you know just slam some doors or do whatever we need to do to get 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 this off our chest. But don't you think that I'm gonna leave you because of this little stuff right here? Absolutely. Don't you think that I'm going to begin to look a different direction just because you upset me right here? Mm -hmm. Because what we have is not built on this right here what we have is built on the commitment that i have for you mm -hmm. that's what a man does a man stands firm on commitment without any kind of conditions yes if he still has conditions that's why when you sit back and you ask him okay so you said i'm the one mm -hmm. what are you waiting for Listen for some conditions. Right. Now, if the conditions are on him, I'm not financially ready. I'm not financially stable. Cool. But if the conditions are on you, you better believe that he's going to have more. And those conditions are going to continue to grow. They may change. There will there always be something about you that will make you nervous about what he's going to do next. No. You need to know that he will never leave you because you can't make. This is his choice. Right. Any man who ever cheated is his choice. His choice. So, right. So you going to buy a wedding dress without him even proposing is that insecurity that he may leave you. All of those actions are the insecurity that if I don't do this, if I don't force this decision this way, is, is, is that's the insecurity that he is going to leave. And you cannot build a life with that insecurity rooted deep in where you are. Listen, you'll be stressed out, anxiety all day, every day, wondering if, you know, looking over your shoulder. A woman should never have to look over her shoulder work to see where her man is. Mm. Never. Mm -hmm. You should never have to look over your proverbial, your emotional shoulder to see if he's angry today. Because here, here's the other part of he will never leave you. Sometimes... And I'm going to be honest, sometimes we men, we pull into ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's not that we will run to somebody else. It's just that we pull into ourselves because we don't know how to handle a situation. But if a man pulls into himself selfishly mm -hmm. and wants to sacrifice you on the altar of himself, then he has left you. He has left you to crucify for him. Mm -hmm. When he's supposed to be on that cross, he's supposed to be the one to go up there. Listen, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's very important to understand where and how he should never leave you. This is not just a walking out the door or I don't, I shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't, you would never cheat on me. This is an understanding that he will not emotionally. Listen, you ladies, I know you've done this before. You, you've pulled away intimate, in, intimately from a man and you've held yourself uh, uh, away from him in order to punish him or in order to manipulate if you've done that before when you were younger I'm sure we ain't got <laughs> nobody in there who's doing that stuff now right. but we know that that happens now wait a minute men does the same thing emotionally, emotionally. yes because we under we may not be able to speak the language of a woman mm 
as articulate as a woman speaks, but we know what she needs. Uh -huh. And if we close that door, we know she feels it because she's intuitive to it. We know that she she feels our ice coldness, that, right. that passive aggressive cold shoulder. Right. You should never have to deal with that. If a man needs to step back, he needs to just say, hey, listen, you kind of overstepped, you kind of um, uh, stepped on something real quick. So let me go ahead and back up. I'm going to need some time alone. I'm going to need some time with the heavy bag or the speed bag. Right. And then I'm going to need, uh, we'll get back together. How's that? Right. Okay. And, but, but he, you should never question. You should never, you shouldn't be stressed because that stress will kill you. And that's what he and then that's what he's doing, keeping you in anxiety, constant anxiety, uh, inability to sleep, uh, uh, you, um, keeping you in a place where you don't know. And this is what you want so bad. But now you're like wondering where he's at, what he's going to do. Do you even love me anymore? No, nah, not at all. He, you shouldn't even be there. No. So let's go ahead. I'm going to recap real quick the, the six things that we just said. Uh, we said, let me go back. He must be subject to God and character. Uh-huh. He must be decisive regarding you. Uh-huh. He, he must be a healer to you. He is a healer to you. He will provide for you. Mm -hmm. He will die for you. And he will never leave you. Period. Thank you for tuning in to this week's SoulCast broadcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. We invite you to visit us at thesoultiesdetox.com where you can leave your voice recorded question or comment that may be selected for future SoulCast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay up to date with our program.